0: Hi everybody, it's really good um, to be able to share with you this morning Um, and we're just going to just kick right in because we have a lot to get through. So I just want to remind you about last week. If you were here last week, you would have known that Chris reminded us that, um, that there was a particular divine order that came with the spiritual gifts. And so while in church, we've been teaching that we like to create a culture and operate within church um, in mutual submission, but there does also appear within scripture to be a particular order when it comes to ordering and helping to sort of manage the household of faith. And this occurs, Chris taught us, um, because of the specific five-fold gifts that appear within scripture. They appear to have a wider breadth of influence and they help to create space in which other spiritual gifts can operate. And we can find the fivefold gifts within Ephesians 4, just in case you want to look that up. But but last week, Chris taught us that that the fivefold gifts of the apostle, the prophet, the prophet, the prophet, the prophet, the evangelist, and the shepherd or the pastor and the teacher are are really, really important within church. They're important because they help establish the church, and coupled with the work of the Holy Spirit, they help grow the church in a balanced and a healthy way. And Alan Hirsch, um, he he actually says that the Ephesians 4 gifts are the interpreting center around which we understand the other gifts. They are sometimes called the ministry gifts because they are a bit more substantial, definite gifts, which help to develop the basic structure of the church. And the main reason that Jesus gave the fivefold gifts is that the church, the, the bride, the body of Christ, would begin to look like him. And from scripture, we usually see that that those people who specifically operate within these specific roles within church, they generally acquire these gifts when through time they've found favor with both God and man. And I think it's important that we are quite clear around all of that because operating in the fivefold ministry gifts, it's not as much a career as it is a call. And those of us who have been around for a while, we know that a call usually always comes at a cost, okay? And just in case you need any more convincing about the importance of the role of each of these five-fold ministry gifts, I'm going to point you to some statistics from the New Testament, and already I can tell that the excitement level in the room has gone up a notch. I borrowed these from Chris Vallotton, Um, but he, he says that within the New Testament, the prophet is mentioned 122 times. Like, that's quite staggering, isn't it? 122 times. The apostle is mentioned 75 times within the New Testament. 25 of those are actually named. And one of them is a woman, just in case anybody needs to know that. The pastor is mentioned once. The evangelist is mentioned three times. And the teacher is mentioned 68 times. And four of those are women as well. And somehow, over the years in church, we've kind of evolved to put in the responsibility of all of these roles onto the shoulders of one person, onto the pastor. And I kind of feel sorry for pastors then, because it feels like they're carrying an awful lot of weight. I don't think that's how Jesus designed the church. I think it's kind of a wee bit unfair, actually, to do that. Because grace, when it comes to the fivefold, grace is the operational power behind each of these specific gifts. And in church, we use language like a grace is upon someone or they're graced to fulfill that role. But they're really particular, specific roles within church. But we're going to spend the rest of this morning now examining some of the spiritual gifts. We finally got there. (laughs) It's been a while, but we're we're going to get stuck right into it today. But before we do that, I I want to draw your attention to a study by a guy called George Barna around spiritual gifts, right? And of those people who participated within this study, 43% of them fell into the categories of those who, A, don't know what their spiritual gift is, or B, don't actually believe that they have one. And so if we take that and we translate that into you know what that means for the church, that's almost half of the people who follow Jesus don't know what their gifts are. Or don't believe that they have one. And you can see why we need to really press into this series. In addition to that, actually, a further 21% of Christians... Uh, they claim that their gifts are outside of those who are listed in the Bible, okay? So they claim that their sense of humor is their spiritual gift, or their health is their spiritual gift, or their home or their patience is their spiritual gift. And while those are good things, they aren't spiritual gifts. Somebody actually said, I want to be really clear on this, this is not in the Bible. Somebody actually thought that clairvoyance was a spiritual gift. It's definitely, definitely not, okay? But I think it it, it highlights why we really need to get stuck into this as a church, because remember, Paul doesn't want us to be uninformed. He encourages us to not be uninformed when it comes to spiritual gifts. And so on top of the fivefold gifts, There are lots of other spiritual gifts that we as a church believe are available for everyone. These spiritual gifts, we um, identify them sometimes as the manifestation gifts. And, uh, And this word manifestation in the Greek is the word phanerosis. And it basically means the expression of something or the making visible of something. So these manifestation gifts express and make visible the work of the Spirit. That's the purpose of them. And, but also, uh, to balance that, I think, is, is that so much of our teaching has been with the thrust that all of this has to be done in love. Okay, It always comes back to that. It should never be about taking pride in the gift that we have been given or even taking pride in the gift that we haven't been given. There's very clear warnings about that within Scripture. But instead, what we're invited to do is to humbly surrender what God has placed on us in and on each one of us to his leading and for his purposes. And so today, like Debbie said, we're going to really kick into 1 Corinthians 12, specifically within verses 4 to 11. And this is what the passage says. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. And so before we get into unpacking any of these gifts this morning, I just want to draw your attention to verse 7, okay? I think it's a really beautiful verse that I think helps frame the whole thing because it says, to each one... The manifestation, that expression of the Spirit, is given for the common good. So let's, let's begin here this morning. The first thing that I want to say to you is the gift that you receive from the Spirit isn't your identity. Okay? Your identity primarily is as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. That's what we we're pressing into in worship this morning. That's always our anchor when we consider it this. All of the gifts that are listed are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he is the one who decides. He is the one who distributes them to each one as he determines. And so we've got to really be careful and guard our hearts that we don't like pine after the more flashy gifts, all right? Because that's what went wrong in the church in Corinth. It's not a menu here that we get to choose from, because when we do that, we end up frustrating ourselves because we're not actually operating in the grace. (laughs) but we actually end up frustrating other people too, and that's not what we want to be about in church. We can't force a gift to fit us because that's the one we like the look of, okay? And, and I think a good illustration of that is Saul trying to um, equip David with his armor. It just didn't fit. It just didn't fit. David was never going to be effective in that way. But the other thing that I want to, to draw your attention to this morning is that everybody here, if you love Jesus, you're in each one, right? You're in each one this morning. The Spirit of the living God is within you. And so as in each one, you have been given the expression, the manifestation of the Spirit of God for the common good. You have. There's no denying that. Remember our teaching on how the gifts are for the health of the whole body. And so the second thing that I want to draw your attention to this morning is that the church, we all need you to know that you have absolutely 100% definitely been given spiritual giftings. You have, okay? And the, the health of the body is determined and impacted by how you operate in your spiritual gifts. And there's a level of responsibility, I think, that comes with that. And so if you consider yourself to be a member of this body, if we're your family, and if you feel like you've connected in here, your gifts that you have are as much about everybody else as they are about you. And maybe that's actually the first time you've ever considered that. Maybe it's the first time that you have let that sink in, or perhaps this morning actually You've been operating in your gift for a while, but actually God wants to open up your eyes and your heart to the fact that he might actually have something new for you as well. And so if it's okay, can we all just take a moment? i just really love to pray right now. Is that all right? So if you're comfortable, could you just close your eyes? I just want to take a moment before the Lord won that one. Oh God, we just come humbly before you this morning. We thank you that every good and perfect gift comes from you. But this morning we just pray that we could see ourselves as in each one. We could see ourselves as you see us, as those you have chosen to give spiritual gifts to. And so Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to have ears that would hear, eyes that would see, hearts that would be open to what it is that you want to show us about the plans and the purposes that you have for us, Father. And all of those whispers of the enemy, Father, we just stamp on them now in the name of Jesus. We just pray that your voice would be the loudest voice in this room this morning. In your name. So I know um, you're probably familiar with the context of the church in Corinth, but I just want to dip into it really, really briefly this morning, um, just so that we keep it all in context, because that's really important that we do that. Um, Paul had spent 18 months there, as you know, um, he had helped really get the church established and see um, growth within that. But when he left, then that's when everything sort of began to get a little bit warped, so he wrote to them from Ephesus, and, uh, and he wanted to bring clarity and correction on a number of different things. And he plainly told them, like, he doesn't miss and hit the wall with this one, because he says, you know, your meetings do more harm than good. Oh, I wouldn't like to hear that. There was bullying. There was really arrogant leadership. There was control. The poor were being neglected. And they had cultivated this culture of... Um, elevating people because of the spiritual gifts that they were operating in but at the same time like they were full-on like properly charismatic they were really gifted in uh, in speaking and preaching and uh, they just didn't carry it in an honorable way their character didn't match up they let it go to their head and uh, and they called themselves the spirit people. <laughs> It was really humble of them, wasn't it? Their whole approach was really elitist. It was divisive, and it created hierarchy based on gifts rather than fruit of the Spirit coming into play there in parallel with the gifts. And it was just wrong, and it did a lot of harm. And nowadays, our instinct would be just to to just rush right in and shut that all down. But Paul, in his wisdom, decided not to do that because he, he saw the importance of the gifts as well. Right? He didn't just snuff the whole thing out so what he was trying to do in First Corinthians is he was trying to show them what an authentic Christ-like spirit community was supposed to look like. And Paul is bringing correction here, and he's bringing instruction about how the spiritual gifts were stewarded. But when he hits them with these three truths, this is what he says. He said, about spiritual gifts, you shouldn't be uninformed, so you've got to do a bit of work on it. All right, you've got to be teachable about it. He also said, but eagerly desire them. They're important. It's the work of the Spirit. You have to eagerly desire them. But then in the middle of those two chapters, he says this. He says, but without love, which we've been teaching so much on, without love, it's just a horrible sound, and nobody wants to hear that. And so character authenticates the gift. It's really important. Paul is drawing an informed conclusion, basically saying that when you guys all come together, this is what's happening, and it's not healthy. And it's not the way Jesus would do it. So really what he's leaning into is how the gifts were being used in the life of the gathering was the main issue that he was coming up against here, right? It wasn't the gifts themselves. It was how the outworking of them was happening. And unfortunately, these gifts have been like the most controversial things in the church. They've been abused. and They've been used in a really unhealthy and wrong way. Um, But Paul's instructions to the Corinthians are kind of like... um, like a safeguarding policy, if that's the way to describe it, for the use of the spiritual gifts within the local church. And as I mentioned earlier, the spiritual gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12 are often identified as the manifestation gifts, okay? They, they are these supernatural endowments of the Spirit to disclose the work of God in our midst. And we believe that these gifts come from God to help us get the work done, To reveal his character to both those who are inside the church. But do you know what? To also reveal who he is to those outside the church too. Because the gifts aren't ours. They belong to the Spirit. They are gifts that are given to us. Or another way of describing it is they are supernatural graces. Is some of the language that we would sometimes use. They are supernatural graces given to us to assist heaven's activity as it breaks into the everyday. And so what we can learn from Paul here is how we should demonstrate or operate in these gifts in a naturally supernatural way. Basically, don't try to fake it to make yourselves look spiritual. And I say this to myself all the time, all right? The fruit of the Spirit is actually the most telling thing about us. That reveals who we are and where we are with Jesus. Our character is as important as our gift And when we look at the original Greek, actually, in verse 11, when it talks about the work of the Spirit, this word work is the word in the Greek, energia, and it speaks of the Holy Spirit himself as the one who is activating and energizing the gifts within us, so it's absolutely nothing to do with us putting on any kind of performance or any kind of show or trying to look really, really spiritual, all right? But it's also worth noting that the gifts aren't necessarily a sign of spiritual maturity either. And the tension that we sometimes find within the church is that we will meet spiritually mature people who aren't operating in the gifts of the Spirit. But on the flip side of that, we also meet spiritually immature people who are like spiritual gift ninjas. They're flying about left, right and center, all right. And this was the Corinthian church. This was what was happening. And Paul was really trying to bring correction to that to those who were spiritually immature they lacked fruit of the spirit and they lacked love but they were still moving in the gifts of the spirit and that's what he was trying to to bring some teaching around and this is where to be honest as leaders we need uh, we need wisdom (laughs) to help pastor and disciple people through this because ultimately these gifts are about encouraging equipping edifying and empowering the body of Christ to do the work of God in the world that he has called us to reach. And so these gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 are for all members of the body of Christ because they belong to the Spirit. They are his to give. They are his to do as he sees best. And so when it comes to operating in our gift, it's also important that we try to not sort of sensationalize it, okay? Um, You know, like... You know, have you ever done this? Like, I'll be honest and tell you, at times I've done this, we sort of try and get yourself pumped up in the spirit. You know, you're like just generating more of like Jesus in your life before you go and try to do something. No, that's not how it goes, okay? That's not how it should happen. And when we try to make it really emotional or we try to um, generate like what we want out of something, and um, that's usually coming from a desire to be recognized um, and, and, and to be recognized as super spiritual. And usually to be honest... That's, that's rooted in flesh, and that's, not, um, that's, that's actually the opposite of what spiritual gifts are. And Jerry Greer says this. He says, the gift that God gave you, I love this quote, was not to puff you up before others, but to enable you to lift them up above you. Isn't that beautiful? Your awesomeness comes not from the gifts you possess, but from the fact the giver of those gifts possesses you I've sat on that all week. I just think that's stunning. And so when we look at First Corinthians 12 and, and these manifestation gifts, um, John Wimber groups them this way. This is what he, he groups them into three categories. And the first category is it's the gracelets of discernment. And that's basically like seeing things how God sees them. It's like the eyes of God. The second category is the gracelets of power. And it's like when we see Um, God's hand move in power in a way that uh, is beyond our comprehension. We just can't understand how that happened. It's like a supernatural move of God. And then um, the third one is gracelets of speech. And it's like words that are coming from God. It's like the mouth of God. So let's look back again at verse 7 as we try to frame this all. Now to each one, the manifestation, that expression of the Spirit, is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. And then as we jump into verse 10, to another, distinguishing between Spirits. Because this morning we're going to focus in on the first category, okay? The gracelets of discernment. So words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and the discerning of Spirits are gifts of supernatural insight, okay? We get to see things in part... How God sees them. They help bring insight that is beyond our own logic and our own understanding. We get to, it's such a joy to see things in some ways as heaven does. Okay. And so the first one, the word of wisdom, that is when divine knowledge breaks into a situation. And so when someone operates in this gift, they usually have the ability to to know the best course of action when kingdom decisions need made. Remember that Paul has already, in his letter to the Corinthians, he's talked about the wisdom of God. And the church had been established in this city that was like renowned for their cultural identity, being wrapped up in kind of like worldly understanding of philosophy and wisdom. And that kind of leaked and permeated into the Corinthian church at that time. But the difference that Paul's really trying to lean into here is that the word of wisdom comes through the Spirit. Because Paul explains in 1 Corinthians 2, this is what he says, he says that the Spirit understands the mind of God, the Spirit understands the mind of God, and the Spirit reveals that to us because of what has been accomplished through Jesus. And so a word of wisdom is the wisdom of God spoken by an individual, and it reveals part of the total wisdom of God. It's applying God's wisdom to a specific situation in a way that provides insight for individuals, sometimes in the next step of their spiritual journey. A word of wisdom usually results in what feels like a door opening and granting you a way through a situation that was maybe shrouded with confusion. Okay. And so sometimes we encounter a word of wisdom when a problem needs solved within the kingdom, or when decisions need made within individuals' lives, they'll break that that will bring breakthrough. And when it happens, um, sometimes it can come like a picture in your mind, like, um, I think the way I would describe it is like a silent movie, you know, like it's like lots of pictures that move, but there's no uh, audible voice, all right? Sometimes it can come as a prophetic word. And so, you know, in the context of Emmanuel Portadine, we received a word of wisdom when it came to finding a permanent home. Um... We, uh, we got a prophetic word way back um, about going back to the place where we began. And this was one of the first buildings that we looked at. And circumstances that arose, to cut a very long story short, is that it just didn't look like it was working out. And so we had to, to look at other places, and nothing kind of just felt right. And then one morning, just with this stunning timing, Chris got um, a message about going back to the place where we began. And, and all of a sudden, um, through various conversations, we ended up here. <laughs> and that word of wisdom and the timing of it was just so beautiful. Sometimes it's coupled with a word of knowledge, which we're going to look at in a moment. But it's, it's like God's wisdom along with facts that we wouldn't have otherwise known. And if He wants some scriptures to back this up, I'm not going to get into them this morning. But they'll come up on the screen there. There's some Old Testament and some New Testament references as to where that has happened within the Bible. The next one is the word of knowledge. And a word of knowledge, it is different to a word of wisdom. It often runs in parallel or in conjunction with a word of wisdom, but often it reveals something a bit more factual, okay? It would be this, um, this Greek word gnosis. Now, not to be confused with gnosticism, but it's, it's like a, a divine knowledge, a specific knowledge or a specific doctrine or wisdom or knowing about something. It's like this supernatural endowment of knowledge that would not be known unless God is the one who reveals it to you. So for example, it can be a direct word about an issue that needs dealt with or confronted. It can be an encouragement that somebody just needs in a moment, Um, and it can be like insight into a situation as well. Again, it can come in different forms. You can see it like a picture in your mind, um, it can just be this clear thought that just comes out of nowhere, and you think, "My goodness, where did that come from?" It can be uh, Phil Largan talks about like knowing something in your nowhere. It can be just like this deep sense of knowing something. It can be a written word that comes up. Um, it can be even when you're praying with somebody um, and all of a sudden out of nowhere you get a sore back or you, you get a sore head and you're thinking, this person maybe has something going on with their health and I need to pray about that. And sometimes it can just be like this spontaneous utterance, something that you just say and you think, I wasn't even thinking about that. But when you're in the spirit, that just comes out. Stephen and I received a word of knowledge whilst we were in India. Um, we were working in the office one day while the Bible college was... Happening, and this lovely, wee, humble pastor came into the office. And he'd never met us before, and he was introduced to us. And the first thing that he said wasn't, you know, "Nice to meet you. How are you doing "Tell me a bit about yourself." The first thing that came out of his mouth was, "The Lord has seen your sacrifice." Now, he didn't know anything about what it cost us to go to India. He didn't know anything about that. And the first thing that he said to us was this word of knowledge: "The Lord has seen your sacrifice." And I can't tell you how much that encouraged us at that time. And actually, 15 years later, I still hold that one really, really dear in my heart, you know. We also got another word of knowledge when it came to moving across here with the church plant. And... Um, one of my desolations, I think about um, leave and Largan, it had been the only church I'd ever gone to from when I was about 17, you know, and, uh, and I just pictured my life there with my kids growing up there, and um, one of my desolations, if I'm honest, was I'm whipping my kids out of this place. I'm bringing them across here. They had relationships starting to form. They had really lovely relationships growing with some of the kids' leaders, and I, we knew it was of God. We knew that we definitely had to go, Definitely but it carried a wee bit of the mummy guilt. Any mummies in here know what I'm talking about? It carried a bit of the mummy guilt. And we had this beautiful, beautiful word of knowledge come that specifically told us, like this guy didn't know our kids and he told us individually about the character of each of our children. And he spoke these beautiful words over each of them and that's God knew that I needed that, you know, and it was really, really powerful for us. Another way that a word of knowledge can minister to others is that it can be an access point to help them feel God's love and power in places of hurt, in areas of wound. Sometimes it can be used to reveal sin or to provide a warning about safety. It can be used to reveal thoughts and motives, provide, or provide healing and provide instruction occasionally it can also be g- given in conjunction with the gift of healing which we'll look at um, in the next coming weeks uh, um, or it can be used in an evangel- evangelistic way as well and uh, to open up someone for more prayer and I, I'm, I'm always um, hesitant to share stories of how the spirit is used. so I'll just say this before I say anything else this is the work of the spirit uh, I'm humbly telling you this story and I don't want it to look like I'm Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Okay. So, um, but I remember um, at one particular moment um, in a a setting, um, a group of us were praying for this couple who had um, been living, they'd actually been living in India too, and they'd come home and there was a a lot going on and um, we started to pray for them. And I remember after a couple of moments of just waiting on the Lord, I just started to cry because I felt the mother's grief over her children. Now she hadn't told us anything about her story. She didn't um, reveal anything about their circumstances other than they'd lived in India. And all of a sudden, I just felt this real pain in my heart for her kids. And I I, I got, like, a picture playing out in my mind of them all in this wee rowing boat and um, and this, the hand of God over their little boat. Um, and then when I shared that with them, didn't the mum just erupt into tears? She just fell apart because uh, they were making this big geographical move and she was really, really worrying about what that was going to do to her kids. And her main concern was that her kids and um, were going to be deeply, deeply troubled and deeply affected by that. But um, when we got to them praying to that, I, I, I think they left encouraged. I think they left seen by God, um, but uh, I, I, that's just a way that I think God has um, has sometimes given me that gift of of knowledge of a word of knowledge and so a word of knowledge can be a really powerful gift but it is of utmost importance that we use wisdom when we're delivering it it's really really important we must never insult people we must never use it as a weapon at all okay remember in love in love And often you can still keep um, the substance of the word that you're receiving from God um, the same, but you can do it in a really sensitive and gentle and caring and loving way. Because we can see from Jesus' example that he did that with the woman at the well in, in John 4. He could have laid the guilt on, but he didn't. That's not how he did it. And nor should we. We should never, ever do it that way. Again, if you want some references, there are some um, Old Testament and New Testament references if you want to study that a little bit more in your own time. But for the sake of time, I want to get into the distinguishing of spirits this morning, okay? Now, the the spiritual gift of discerning what is going on or not going on, that's what the distinguishing of spirits is. Um, And and that's usually, um, we're looking at that particularly within a sort of spiritual atmosphere context this gift helps us discern what is truly of the spirit in the community, which spiritual powers are at work, and sometimes what motives are being acted on um, and, and exposed. And, and the Greek word for the distinguishing of spirits here is this word diacrisis, okay? And it's, it's really leading into the idea that you're making a really informed decision about something. It's like a judicial estimation or an act of judgment. So if you can picture it, it's kind of like, what happens in a courtroom you're peeling back the layers to really see the truth of the matter and it's almost like it's been examined from every angle to see what's really at work or to recognize what is of Jesus and what is not of Jesus and uh, and Clinton says this he says the gift of discerning of spirits is the special ability that God gives to some members of the body of Christ which enables them to know with assurance whether certain behavior purported to be of God is, in reality, divine, human, or satanic. So people with this um, gift, they are like the spiritual eyes of the church. They see and they sense what others sometimes don't around them. and, and again, I, I remember during a particular extended time of prayer that we had in Lurgan, um, I, I just, when we were praying, I just had this really strong sense that something just wasn't right, so there was something just off, and I couldn't, I mean, that's all I knew. Um, and as we walked around the building, um, and there were others with us, the sort of sense of, of unity around that kind of grew, and after some time, we then discovered that, you um, um, not to get into this too much, but there had been some cassette tape rolled out down one of the alleyways at the side of the church, and that can often be used to thwart the purposes of the extension of the kingdom of God, you know, and, um, and it, 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 that just to me felt like a discerning moment, okay, and, uh, and John Thompson says this, he says, often people who have been given the gift, um, they have a deep underlying sense of conviction which will not allow them to rest when they know that people have been given half-truth misapplied truth, or false teaching. And, and they're often asked to act upon those errors. And so they can have like an unusual sensitivity or an intuitive grasp of people and situations. You maybe get a glimpse behind the scenes of supernatural reality in a situation, either by a mental picture or just in reality that you come up against. You might notice physical symptoms that lead you to know that something's wrong, and you will see or sense demons in people, places, or in situations. And so if you want to think about that, when when Jesus is with Peter, Peter has just said, you know, you are the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. But then, like, not too far into the rest of the chapter later, he's like, no, Jesus, you don't need to die. And Jesus is like, discerns that that's not Peter. He discerns that that's actually the enemy because he says, no, get behind me, Satan. And that's when Jesus is discerning the spirits there. John Thompson actually goes on further to say, I find that people... That have this gift tend to primarily function in one of three ways some see up some see down and others see to the side so for people who have this gift when they see up they often know when God's close they discern God's activity or presence in a person or in a circumstance that maybe just isn't obvious to other people those who see to the side, they can read people's motives or character. They will know when things look good on the surface, but when the motives aren't pure. And those who see dying, they, they know when demonic powers are present. They will sense and perhaps even see the presence of the demonic in people or in situations. Now, Having said all that, I feel it's important that we also do say this, that that my encouragement on the discerning of spirits is to really seek counsel with this one, okay? To get alongside, well, actually, I said that for all the gifts. (laughs) I said that for all the gifts. To get alongside people who you know operate in those gifts and who have experience, be really teachable. Be really, really teachable around it. Read lots and and lighten up a wee bit. Be open to correction. Be open to sometimes just getting it wrong because we are still just human. All right. There is not a demon lurking around every shadowy, dark corner. Just because we get a cold doesn't mean that the enemy's really after us and attacking us because we've got a sniffle. All right. You know, um, and, and, and to be really clear on this one, if you have this particular spiritual gift, you're absolutely not a psychic. All right. You're not a psychic. God is showing you something. And if he is showing you something, it's him that you need to pay attention to and to ask what to do with it. Use and seek wisdom with all of the gifts, but be really careful if you have this gift because discerning people can sometimes tend to fear into the sort of judgmental category. The people around you aren't less spiritual just because you've got the gift and they don't, all right? We've got to be careful about that one. Um, Understanding the importance of timing and tone is really, really important with this one. We never want to wound anybody. We never, ever want to wound anybody with any of these gifts. But equally, we do have an enemy whose main objective it is to hamper the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so discernment is really, really important um, to recognize the demonic, all right? And I would stress, again, the importance of this um, coming under leadership as well. All the gifts should all the gifts should again if you're looking at some examples they're up behind me we just don't have time to get into them this morning so as we pull this to a close this morning i'd love to um to do two things to start with i'd love to invite the band to come back up and the prayer ministry team i'd love them to come forward um and i'd love to invite you guys to stand that's three things (laughs) could you stand a little moment If you feel comfortable, we we don't want to force anybody to do this, but I'd just love to try and remove any distractions that are around you. So if you feel comfortable and you would like to close your eyes, uh, I would just love to um, to just let God do what I think he wants to do this morning. Because as I've been praying for you all this week, um, my discernment, I suppose, around this all is that, uh, that some of you are beginning to actually recognize some of these gifts that we've talked about this morning within yourself. For some of you, they're they're mature gifts. You've been operating in these gifts for a while. But maybe for others, they're quite fledgling. Um, You're just beginning to see them emerge. And uh, and if you feel like one of these gifts this morning, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, or discerning of spirits is perhaps one of the graces that, that the spirit has given to you. We would really love to pray for you this morning. Maybe somebody has mentioned it, that they've seen it in your life. And we'd love you to be brave around that this morning because we'd specifically love to pray for you around that. But the other sort of hunch that I have is that um, I feel that there's an invitation for those who perhaps have found this gift beginning to emerge in their lives, but they're maybe feeling a level of apprehension, a level of fear. It's the unknown, and you're not quite sure what to do with it. But this morning, I suspect that the Lord is inviting you to be courageous. I think he's extending an invitation to you. He gives good gifts. He gives good gifts, okay? And, uh, and, and if this is something you feel actually you're being invited to grow in again, we would love to pray with you this morning. And then uh, the last group. I suspect that there are some people in here today that you just actually can't wrap your head around or accept the fact that actually the Spirit would want to give you anything. Maybe you don't feel worthy, you don't feel talented enough, you don't feel like you know the Bible well enough, you don't feel equipped enough. We really, really, really want to pray for you this morning. We want to see you set free from those whispers of the enemy as he tries to hold you back. Because that's all it is. He's just trying to hold you back. Because the truth is none of us deserve the gifts, (laughs) they're gifts. Gifts are just given. That's what a gift is. It's the spirit who is the one who gives it, and he wants us to eagerly desire them. So the guys are going to play. And just in your own time, if you feel like you fall into any of those categories this morning, I would just encourage you to be brave and encourage you to be bold this morning. Let's pray. God, we. I, we just worship you this morning. We trust you this morning, God. We know that what you have for us is good. We know that, that, that you are calling us into more as a body, God, and so we just pray that, that everyone who's feeling a stirring of your spirit, even in these moments, God, would be courageous this morning. And Father, we pray for a release of your spirit. We pray for a release of these gifts this morning, God, and we pray that you would do as you will, as you see best, as you see fit. And so, Father, we open up our hearts to you this morning as we worship you in your name. Amen.